Welcome to the Your Message Received podcast. And now, taking your message to the finish line, your host, John Duffin. Hey folks, John Duffin here with Duffin Media. Welcome back to another episode of Your Message Received. Your Message Received is the place, the home, the platform to help you find your best, most true, authentic business voice. Hell, your most authentic voice. Get what you want, find what you need, improve your sales performances, meet the person of your dreams, make billions of dollars. Those last two we're working on. We're, we're certainly working on those last two, but the other ones we definitely feel good with. And I am very grateful, folks, that you keep liking, watching, listening, whether it's on YouTube visually, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or iHeartMedia or anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, we're there. And I'm enormously grateful. And the reason I can typically say with such confidence that we get to help you find your authentic voice is because we bring people on who actually walk the walk. Today is no exception. I got somebody here who has been rocking the real estate world for over 20 years, tons of presentations, day-to-day showing up in people's offices. <laughs> Scott Einbinder of the Scott Einbinder Effect. Welcome to the show. All right. Thank you so much. It's, it's just great to, great to have a conversation with you, John. I really look forward to it. I love it. And we've got a mutual friend uh, who is, again, I, I owe uh, pretty much everything <laughs> to Josh Buckter. And Josh, you better be listening uh, because you are enabling me to have this conversation with someone who I strongly believe uh, is is has already helped people. And I think, Scott, I feel like in terms of what you're talking about and what you're preaching, it, it's... It, it, it couldn't be more timely. So to just get right to it, Scott's got a passion, a track record over 20 years of success in real estate and mortgage banking. It's the experience. It's the insights. It's the innovation. It's the way people speak. In fact, I'll, Scott will say it way better. Scott is a massive believer in making certain if you're going into the field or if you're in the field, you should be leaning toward the listing side of the business, the one who sells the homes. That's the part. And so it's why you should be there, how you can stay in the field and in a game that can be stacked, how do you differentiate yourself in the ways that you do that? Do I have that at least close to accurate? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, John. And it, it, it's, you know, the industry has moved in a direction where you said lean into listings. I mean, you got to go full throttle into listings. Listings have always been important. And, you know, you use the expression, the listing agent sells the home. In the real estate business, there's like kind of confused vernacular because a buyer agent will say they sold the home, right? So the question is, who sells the home, the listing agent or the buyer's agent? And so there's a there's an unpacking of the process. But the 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 reality is, is that the listing agent who has always been important in this business has gone from important to critical because mm. of industry changes, because of transparency, because of technology. So that's why the listing side of the business, I've always been in that side of the industry because, you know, if you have a couple of great skill sets, when it comes to listing homes, it's almost guaranteed money for everybody with a buyer transaction not necessarily the case because buyers change their mind. They work with multiple people. So there's a lot of reasons why being a listing agent uh, is has always been important, uh, but but we are now in critical critical mode. 
I love that. And I think one of the things that one of the reasons it's great to have you here uh, is that you focus also not just on the rules, the regulations, the changes, the trends, and, and the detailed data, but also the communicative standpoint as well. My, one of my, as I am a licensed realtor, in addition to being communications guy, is that it's the, I always felt that the communicative skills needed to fall to the listing people. And I don't know if I'm saying this badly, but I'll try, which is, and the reactive side typically was more on the buyer side. So you didn't have to be as strong in a communications world of conveying the passion, the emotion, the detail, like being all in. You were the reactive yeah. one. Hey, what did you think? Well, I like it. I didn't like it. Okay, I'll let them know. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, of the 1.6 million realtors licensed in this country, mm -hmm. um, you know, of the hundreds and hundreds of thousands in each state, mm -hmm. when you really unpack it, over 80% of that group are buyer agents. A very small percentage are listing agents. And why I it, it. said it? Because as a buyer's agent, you're definitely you're on the receiving end of an opportunity. Generally, right. you know, they're walking into your open house, they're calling off some type of ad. It's a reactive sales experience. And in that situation, to a large degree, you're selling a home. Being a listing agent, you have to create the opportunity, right? You right. have to be proactive, not reactive. And you're not selling a home. You're selling yourself. You're selling an idea. You're selling a promise. You're mm -hmm. selling an expectation. It's completely intangible. And mm -hmm. in the human mind, that's not a natural state to be it's a lot e it's harder to because remember if the buyer doesn't want to buy the house a buyer agent can justify it and say well they didn't want to buy the house they didn't like the house when the seller doesn't buy the listing agent john what did they reject the listing agent and that's that's painful so so that's right? the, 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 the becomes personal at that point that's right so that's right. you go to easy Right. And I feel like one of the things like I, 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 my experience is broadcast ad sales. That was over 25 years and a billion presentations and, and all that sort of thing. And it was creating something from nothing. That, that was literally what we were doing. We were selling ad space, digital broadcast, streaming, whatever. And forgive me for saying, folks, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> matters to me and it mattered to me. But it wasn't necessarily, I have streaming, everybody does. I have, everybody does. They had to buy you. Um, look, Scott, folks, is a motivational speaker. Over 3,000 3, events in 20 years. Uh, that's impressive. Uh, why do you think you're getting hired for so many events? Well, you know, uh, listen, that. I'll, I'll give you, uh, you know, uh, what's crazy about the real estate training world yeah, is most of the trainers, mm -hmm. most of the people who are training new agents and experience, do you know they never sold a house? Now that to me is a magic trick. Mm -hmm. I, and I take my hat off. Anybody who can train somebody on something they've never done or failed at, mm -hmm. you got to clap at that. I, I mean, that's right. great. Now, the reason for that is that the training world is a world that requires you know investments and a lot of broker owners because of the change of splits there's limited resources right so most trainers 
that are out there, actually, they speak for free. Mm -hmm. They have a free, come to my free event. Mm -hmm. And at that event, they look to sell stuff. I, I never like that. You know, I don't like luring somebody in and hawk it in the back. <laughs> so for me, what, what I think made a difference for me is, right. and one of my, one differentiator, which it's almost crazy, it's a differentiator. It, I was in the industry okay. for 20 years and had a tremendous fortunate career. Mm -hmm. I, I achieved everything that anybody could ever want to do in the real estate space mm -hmm. from every angle. Right. So I was at a relatively young age and I had already sold a couple of companies and I had all this success. Right. When I sold my interest in my last real estate company, I don't know. I, what was I going to do? I don't know. Be an astronaut, do something. I don't know. I had a lot of options until a friend called me and said, hey, Scott, uh, I need to kill an hour in a sales meeting. Could you come over? I don't know. Tell jokes, dance, do something. I need to just fill up space. Right. And I went over to this office and there was about five or six agents sitting in there. And I looked at them and I said, what are you doing? And they gave me all these answers. And I go, listen, the chances you're going to succeed is probably zero. I probably quit now. You don't know what you're doing. You're... And I gave this whole, it was almost kind of like funny, but serious. Yeah. Really? And anyway, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from a broker up in North Jersey. Right. Called me up and said, hey, Scott, I heard you just did a seminar. And I go, I did. He goes, what do you charge for that? And I go, I don't know. I made up a number and here I am in my 19th year. What is it that I do is I do everything that trainers don't do is I hold agents so accountable. I hold out the brokers. I go into the areas, which quite frankly, broker owners and trainers are afraid to go to really kind of get into the head and mm -hmm. to say, listen, all of the things that you're doing is what everybody does, you know? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, you're calling your sphere of influence, you're doing your mailer, you've got your little picture with your dog and mm -hmm. all your little silly things that you do. Do you realize that there are a million other people doing the same thing? Why are you gonna get hired? And they go, I don't know, because I'm so amazing. No, that is not the bit, you have to differentiate. So oh, mm. my career was always to differentiate. My parents told me at a young age, if you wanna be in this business, be mindful of two things bring a value-added benefit, and be different. You ask 1 million realtors, what makes you different? Their answer will all be the same. That's the thing. So I've built my business in these last 18 years by bringing in unique value-added strategies that are tangible, that are real, that are not 30,000 feet above seed level. But that's what agents have not received. Mm -hmm. They're getting the same scripts that the other 40 agents in their office are getting. Because it's easier. It's, it's simple. I feel like there's a laziness component to it as well, too. But here's the two questions. From really a fear saying. component. I think. It's yeah. Oh, that's that's big. Yeah. Fear is out. Yeah. Uh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That no one wants to step out and be the trailblazer. But the two questions are this. I love that the way that your parents said, you know, hey, bring the two things. Be different. Yeah. They, are, they, they just said that's that's awesome advice. So what makes you different? Uh, I think what makes me different is that I speak in a language that is very digestible and is very understandable from brand new agents all the way up to the old leathery season veterans. Mm -hmm. I think that when I speak with a, a 10 year veteran, right, right. And I start sharing with them unique listing strategies, things they've never, they've been in the business 10 years. And I mentioned things like risk reduction protocols and LPDU vetting and price positioning strategies. 
and merchandising. They're like, what's that? What's that? What's that? What? And that in of itself is a home run because they've been in the business a long time. They're hearing strategy they've never heard of before. And they're right. like, wow, I've been in this business 10 years and I've never heard of that. I guarantee you, you ask 1.6 million realtors what an open house is, they know what it is. Oh, I think yeah. if you ask 1.6 million realtors if they know how to advertise. A mailer, a database. A mailer, door knocking, yeah, circle right. prospecting. Awesome. I would tell you almost every training advice mm -hmm. that's probably out there right now is probably to the detriment of most of these agents. Because here's the thing, John, and this will this is even the craziest statistic. Right. The failure rate in this industry. Now, this industry, for as long as they've been tracking it, 40 plus years, they measure how many agents stay in the business from their licensing date, right? Headcount. But the failure rate is how many leave it. Mm -hmm. Do you know it's at 80%? 80% of people who get a license, do you know what they're saying in a year and a half? You want a large Coke with that or a small Coke with that? Because they're working in a fast food joint. They're out. Now, keep in mind, if you had a business where 80% of your people were failing out of it, yeah. let's take an office. 80% of the agents aren't making money. You got to think there's something wrong there. But here's the thing. That 20% has kept it because these commissions and the double end and everything, you know, we can go into it. It's, it's, it's enough to kind of keep it going. How do offices survive 150 licenses on a wall? There's 20 people doing business. Mm -hmm. Well, they do all the business. So in my head, the, the quick math for me was number one, the 80-20 rule is a literal case in this point. So it's not like they even invented the 80-20 rule. And then the other is, it's not like the houses don't get sold. So it's not like, you know what, so nobody's buying houses anymore or nobody's selling houses. They all get sold. So the houses get sold anyway. And and, and that's going to get to a part in the conversation, that sense yeah. of it's an inevitable conclusion. Yeah. But yeah. I want to ask you this. When you were saying, hey, I'm talking to people with 10 years experience and you were going through and you, you named four different strategies and the person right. was saying, I've never heard that. Here's my question, which yeah. is this. Why would they listen to you when it sounds as if you're offering more content driven suggestions yeah. that's so, where i'm curious yeah well let's look at it this way when yeah. you try to get a listing right if you're right. doing it the correct way mm -hmm. it's about building a relationship right there's yeah. this word in the real estate business called leads and everybody yeah. wants a lead mm -hmm. and that's another dangerous road because leads are meant to be converted relationships are meant to be nurtured and the real estate business doesn't teach nurturing. They teach conversion. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the new world order is you got to get the relationship, nurture the relationship, and then the ability to convert is a whole lot easier. Yeah. But everybody leaves out that step. So when you go on a listing and you have a homeowner, most homeowners know a couple of realtors. Most homeowners, everybody. when they go to list their right. home, mm -hmm. they probably got three relatives that are realtors, right? So they go and they listen to two or three people. Now, when they listen to these two or three people, mm -hmm. their decision-making to list is going to be based upon a few things that we know. Likeability is number one. They got to right. kind of like them. Right. But then it goes into an area of who do they believe has a better path to make me the money that I want to make. Now, realtors are trained. They're trained mm -hmm. to do things like, well, maybe tell sellers 
that they think their value of their home is worth more or maybe offer a lower commission or mm -hmm. try to come at it with a marketing plan that's so amazing. And they use these same, so if you have three realtors, they all kind of sound the same. They all look the same, talk the same. Maybe I like them all the same. Yeah. To get past that, it's which one do they think has a better path to the net dollar? And if they all sound the same, John, Mm -hmm. The next decision they're going to say is, well, maybe I'm going to list with the agent who has a lower commission or the agent who tells me my house is worth more. That's under the assumption they like everybody equally. But right. if they get a new agent that gets into that seller's orbit right, and the seller likes them, you know, here's all those same what I call core services you can get anywhere. Right. But then they hear something that's unique, mm -hmm. something that they didn't hear from the five-year veteran, the 10-year veteran or their sister. Mm -hmm. And if those strategies are something that connects with the homeowner to make the homeowner think, wow, this person has a better pathway mm -hmm. to net me more money, you know what? That's who I'm going to list with. And that's been my business. My business mm -hmm. has been getting agents, mm -hmm. even agents that are already reasonably successful to go to a whole other level, is they did two things. They infused unique value-added services and strategies that were not available for everybody agent. And they did another thing. They prospected outside their sphere of influence. They went out there and they nurtured relationships. They didn't knock on the door of a FISBO and say, hi, I think you're six years old. <laughs> it was a nurturing. They went in there. Yeah, with, with you. Know, I, I can so visualize that I mean, in listen, a painful I mean, way. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, agents are trained. They are trained to knock on the door of a FISBO, right. knock on the door of a FISBO, and in many cases, lie. Say, oh, I've got a buyer. Mm -hmm. The I got the buyer thing in the FISBO world has been around for 100 years. Yep. And they go there, whether the buyer is real or not, usually it's not. Right. And the buyer doesn't like the home. Or even during the preview, the agent will go, well, let me ask you something, Mr. Seller. You ever think about listening with agents? I mean, the I got the buyer thing is a trick to get in the door to try to pivot the seller. Now, you talk about authenticity. You thought there's no authenticity there. You know, that, that is a, that is a trick and yet, you know, agents do it. And sometimes you get lucky, you get lucky doing anything, but that's not the approach that I've taught to agents where we go in with a whole different perspective. Mm -hmm. We go in with a whole different conversation. We go in to nurture the relationship with the FISBO. Mm -hmm. We don't ask for the listing. In fact, we tell the seller day one, I'm not here for your listing. Well, then what are you doing here? Yeah. Why are you here? Well, the reason I'm here is a lot of people who are selling without representation have interest in maybe knowing some information that's not available to the public. And if you'd like, no cost, no obligation whatsoever. I have this beautiful report. It is not a CMA. It's an RPR report. What's an RPR reports, report? An R, a real estate property resources. So there are reports that have unbelievable data that the public doesn't even have access to. Well, if I can come at you as a homeowner, not looking to get a listing, but looking to give you information that is unique. Don't give them information that they can get online. Get them information they can't get online. Get them information that they don't have access to. And if I can get them to say yes, I've earned something. I call it permission to communicate. Okay. And then the homeowner says, all right, Mr. Realtor, Mrs. Realtor, yeah. I ain't going to give you my listing, but I'll take your report. And I'll take your call, perhaps. Right. I mean, Here, here's the thing, John, yeah. is that now the homeowner says and every realtor says, well, what are you going to do when the homeowner says, 
Well, if you're not looking for my listing today, why would you do this report? You got to want something. What do you want? Right. So what do you want? When I ask that question of agents, you know what they tell me sometimes? Oh. They'll say, well, I'll tell the homeowner, well, I like to be helpful. Um, I like to be a member. Of the I'm community. a service person. Those are all I'm lies. What I say is. Wait, wait, now, come on. <laughs> hold on. What I say when a homeowner says, well, why on earth would you do this report? Hmm. I go, well, here's the thing, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner. You never know what the future might hold. Mm -hmm. You never know. Sometime in the future, sometime in the future, you might decide that maybe it is time to consider listing with a realtor. And maybe I'll be somebody you consider if I've been authentically helpful to you over these coming weeks. My so, answer was 100%. You ready for this? Yeah. Truth. Truth. Everyone's afraid of the truth. And a homeowner will say, all right, well, listen, realtor, I'm going to sell my house like this, but I'll take your report. Now, what's the fact? We know 83% of all FISBOs end up doing what? Listing their home anyway. Yeah. So we're just playing the odds. We're mm -hmm. playing the odds that there's an 83% chance that that homeowner says, every FISBO says they won. They're never going to list their home. Every FISBO says it. When they go to Home Depot, they buy that sign. They go, you know what? I'm going to save a commission. But 83% of them, within four to five weeks, you know what they're doing? Hiring a realtor. Right. So we just are playing the odds. So mm -hmm. there's something about truth and transparency that matters. Okay, so the truth and transparency, beautiful. And by the way, every time somebody says the whole point of the show is from cult the arc to authenticity, you know what I mean? And it's typically the individual. So it's like, to yeah. me, that I love. So it's almost like a dog whistle. I hear the word. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, blah, 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 fine. What? Um, yeah. So I love that you know that and live it. So here's like, I'd love to know when you share this with people in the business, mm -hmm. I know you're not getting, oh, that's not going to work. I know you're not getting that. How do you punch through the fear and the apathy? And that's my, where I, you use the word fear. I typically come yeah. from also a point of apathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. But right. blah, blah, blah. How do you punch through that when mm -hmm. you are speaking to, we'll say, in your case, the realtors? Yeah. So there's two reasons why agents don't prospect, you know, um, mm -hmm. We, we, we talk about this fear of rejection. I don't sure. think it's fear. It's terror. Mm -hmm. They're terrified of it. They're yeah, not afraid right. of it. Yeah. Um, but the other reason, and it's a very latent reason, mm -hmm. it's very subliminal. Mm -hmm. And subliminally, most agents know when they, when they knock on that door, they got nothing really different to say. They subliminally know that the five other people who knocked on that door probably said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's not very motivating to go do it. So when I bring unique and new things into the conversation, unique strategies that, by the way, it's not designed for agents to love it alone. It's designed for the sellers to love it. So when I bring okay. in a new strategy, a brand new approach, mm -hmm. that is motivating for somebody to go knock on a door and engage because I feel like I got something different to say. And then when the homeowner responds Unlike when they knock on the door and they say, hey, I got a buyer. And the homeowner says, all right, bring a buyer. I'll pay you commission. Or you know what? Everyone says that. But when the homeowner hears a unique thing and goes, wow, what, what's that? I never heard of that before. That's code for tell me more. And that okay. makes me feel okay. better. And that's kind of the way I've punched through. It's to, it's to get the agent to 
acknowledge, which they all do, that what they're hearing is something really different. Now, by the way, does everybody embrace my strategies? No, but I'd say about 99% do. There is always a group of people, John, as you know, mm. that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, they will always reject change. They will always, yeah. just human nature. But for me, and I think part of my, you know, very fortunate years in this business mm -hmm. is um, that that's what I'm known for, is that I don't come in there and tell people things that are 30,000 feet above sea level. I don't talk about generalities. I'm, I'm listen, I'm a motivational guy, mm -hmm. but I'm not a down by the river guy where you got to just, you know, and you go back, you got to give people, and I think that's what I've done, tangible, real things mm -hmm. that they can use that afternoon that makes a difference. And that's kind of how I've been, how I've punched through. And by the way, just so you know, you know, I'm not one of these free speakers. I, I'm the most proud of thing is I'm a paid speaker, meaning that yeah. I'm paid a fee. Mm -hmm. I don't sell anything. I don't sell products and scripts and, you know, programs and all that stuff, which I, and, and that to me is a strong statement because people are investing in what's coming out of your mouth. And, yeah. and that's a big responsibility that I've always taken. And I've always wanted to make sure that it's a good return on that investment, which, you know, it's been, you know, for, for my clients. I love all of it. So when you're speaking, I'm a paid speaker and when I, and I don't offer this or that, or I love it. What do you think in addition, two questions, number one, your whole, as you, I go through the research and talk to people and stuff, it's the unique selling points, the strategies, the systems that, that aren't typical, right? Uh, you gave us one, which I love, which is an industry-related report that is not the same yeah. as a competitive market analysis, yeah. a CMA, right. talking to my audience that may not get the, you know, the vernacular, sure. right? Sure. Give me another one. Well, listen, you know, and you by the way, that one different and you that, that one. And by the way, that one, I wouldn't even include in, you know, my greatest hits. Great. But so, yeah, for well, example, even the entire real estate transaction, when you think about it, right. And when I thought about it many, many eons ago, right. It doesn't make sense. Now think about this. Yeah. People list the home, the realtors battle out negotiations of price and some general terms and conditions. And then something else happens. There's a whole nother renegotiation because you have inspections and you have title issues. Mm -hmm. It never made sense to me mm -hmm. to do a double negotiation. So what wow. I infused was what I call a risk reduction protocol, which means- What's that? The day we take the listing, mm -hmm. we talk to the seller about the downside of a renegotiation. And the seller's like, what do you mean? Well. If we, if we negotiate on a price mm -hmm. and then we allow the buyer to do their inspection, it is likely the buyer is going to want an additional negotiations. Mm -hmm. And in those additional negotiations, John, there's usually a winner and a loser. And the loser is usually the seller and the winner is usually the buyer. Because right. buyers know, sellers know that if a buyer finds a repair for $10, they want $25 off the price of the house. Mm -hmm. So rather than allow that to happen... <laughs> Let's do our inspection the day we take the listing. Let us find the $10 problem. Let us fix that for maybe $4. Mm -hmm. Thereby, if we go into contract with a buyer, we've just saved ourselves $21. And that's an example. Well, I call, I'm into the money. The net, that's an example of what I call my net dollar strategies. I'm not into that. Thank you. Okay. I never like that expression, list with me and I'll sell your house for a top dollar. Mm -hmm. I hate that expression. What I'm into is let me share with you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, my net dollar strategies. So a risk reduction protocol 
is the arranging of services, John, that typically happen post negotiations. We do it prior to. These are things that are different. Most most sellers never do this. Right. And real estate agents, again, everyone's like sheep. They just, you know, they list homes, they go under contract, they allow these inspections to take place. So the educating agents on what I call a risk reduction protocol, which is the ability to engage the seller to invest in those services. By the way, these are not services that the agent's paying for. The homeowner is paying for the inspection, is paying for the title search, is paying for the appraisal, might be paying for the initial preliminary CO, paying for a well and septic pre-certificate, all these things, but it's not a cost, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. Because the money that you invest in these services could save you thousands, thereby an investment, right? Mm -hmm. So that whole concept is the first gobble. Then how to articulate it to the homeowner is part two, mm-hmm. how to then deal with the rebuttal of the homeowner who says, well, I don't want to do it because it's too much money. All those things is what I do. That is an example of a tangible, executable, unique value proposition that is meaningful. I'm not selling helium in a balloon at your open house. Mm-hmm. Who cares? I'm selling a service and a strategy where the homeowner is going to say, you know what? I've interviewed three real estate agents. I've done that, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I've interviewed three real estate agents and nobody talked to me about this. And by the way, that's just the first shot out of the cannon yeah. of you. We've got others. So we're going to overload that homeowner. And oh. by the way, we're not not doing all those other services. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, you know, if you want to do an open house, do it. You want to add, do, you know, do all those other core services, sure. photos, videos. Yeah. But that is not anything unique. And by the way, just because you're bringing in a professional photographer, you think most home, most buyers know the difference? They're looking at these things on their phone. They don't can't see your 4K, right. 6K. You oh, know. my God. Look at outside. The, I can see the tree. Uh, right. I mean, I know agents that obsess over the lighting coming in the living room on the phone. You know what? At the end of the day, it's about having a, a different approach. So so the idea is, is that all those core services mm-hmm. – like going to do a restaurant and getting a glass of water. You know what? It's not why I go there. It's all the other things, the things that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that I've been doing with my clients for 20 years. So that's beautiful. And you and you couldn't have articulated that any better. So I thank you for all that. Now let's talk timing in regards to the okay. following, which is, look, there is, you've alluded to this multiple times. And if anyone is following news or trades, if you're a homeowner, everybody has something, right? Um, if you are in the real estate field as an investor and or a professional, there is this litigation that's been going for, as you said, it's it's now, I didn't know it was going as long as it was going. Yes. Well, COVID I, put a pause on it. it started yeah, well, see, this is the thing. And I, yeah. I, I guess I never felt that it was important enough. Yeah. But when you look at some of the information, Scott has been literally, I don't want to use the word chicken little, but it's its just been saying and repeating yeah. Yeah. Um, this recent, it's not recent, looming change in regards to the overall business structure. Want to articulate that a little bit? So yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, uh, I'm a positive guy and yeah. I would say one of the more disappointing things I have felt. Because, you know, I, I 
deal with so many broker owners and managers and, and agents. When this thing started popping up, even through COVID, and I would talk about it, I actually had a lot of people in the leadership side of the industry tell me not to talk about it. They're like, Scott, listen, it's never going to happen. That'll never happen. And he, you know what? I don't want to make it negative. I don't, I don't want to have a negative. Don't even, I've had in front of big rooms, management come up to me and say, don't mention the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why not? Ah, you know what? I don't want to spook people. And I'm like, listen, if you care about your agents, your agents are on a train track. There is a train. We don't know if that train's coming, not coming, might fall off the tracks, but you got to let them know it's coming. Eh, so I, I've been, to, so, but anyway, that fuels me more because I'm like, wait a minute, by agents not knowing about this, they've not had a chance to recalibrate their business, mm -hmm. right? And basically this lawsuit, which again, has been around a long time. It's gotten a lot of notoriety in the last yeah. couple of, because the trial started, it's underway as we speak. Right. And Everybody now is kind of in a state of panic because what this in what this lawsuit is just for anybody who's watching, yeah, them, please, you know, sleeping, you know, somewhere, you know, in, in a cave. You know, for as long as it's been, it's been decades where a buyer agent, when a buyer agent sold a house to their customer, they earned a commission, and the origin of that commission, they would go to closing, and they would get their commission check, whether it was one percent, two and a half percent, three percent. That commission, the buyer agent would get. Now, the origin of that commission came from the seller's equity. So the way the business was set up, and by the way, this architecture of how commissions have been allocated mm -hmm. is a 75-year-old system, okay, in a, in a 2023 world, pretty much, right? So the seller, the origin of the commission, pays it to the listing broker. The listing broker, as part of the rules of the club, offers right. it to a buyer's agent, whether mm -hmm. it's 2 or 3%. Now, think about this. The lawsuit, if it's successful, right, will, will right. change the whole game. Ow. Sellers will no longer have to participate. In fact, they won't be able to participate in being part of the buyer agent compensation. Because out of that, let's say an agent charges the seller 6%, that listing agent offers 3 well, lawsuit goes through, that seller going forward will only pay 3%. Mm -hmm. There is no more contribution on the part of the seller to give the, the listing agent to give the buyer's agent. So home run, theoretically, for the seller. Mm -hmm. They're saving money on commissions, which is part of the basis of the lawsuit. But the other side of it is the buyer. The buyer agent, in order to earn a commission, will now have one way to do it. They're going to have to go to the buyer before they show them a home and say, listen, I'd love to show you that home at 36 Chestnut. However, the compensation to do this for you is going to be $15,000, $12,000, $8,000. I just want to make sure. And how are you going to pay me? Cash, check, money order? I'm only kidding. Yeah. But the only way is the buyer's going to have to write the money out of their own pocket. They can't put it into the deal. They can't raise the price. They can't put it in a concession. The buyer is going to have to come to closing with down payment, closing costs, and realtor commission for mm -hmm. the first time. Right. And think about this, John. Mm -hmm. For as long as this business has been around, and it never happened. a buyer's agent has never had to do. You ready? Oh, never. That's why the job, I wonder. They never had to negotiate their commission. Keep it. Hold on. It gets worse. Yeah. A buyer agent can do a miserable job. Mm -hmm. They could put their buyer under contract mm -hmm. on 
October 1st, and October 2nd, go to Cancun for 60 days. Go two months. Yeah. Abandon their buyer completely. Mm-hmm. Show up at the closing and get their check. Yep. The seller has no way to renegotiate it. The buyer has no way to renegotiate it. Yeah. The listing agent, you're done. So this is why it's earth shattering because now a buyer agent is not only going to have to negotiate their commission, they're going to have to get it from the buyer. And we all know, and this is why everyone's in a state of panic, rightfully so, mm-hmm. is because the buyers have been doing something for years anyway. They're going directly to listing agents more and more and more. So here's the big thing. And this is kind of where I talk and this is even more controversial. Yeah. Because now if you're a buyer's agent who, you know, you're, you're not, you, you don't go on listings because you can't sell yourself. Now you're dealing with a buyer who's going to have to pay you a commission who can go directly to the listing agent and probably pay a whole lot less. There are predictions already that the National Association of Realtors is going to be cut in half. You're going to go from 1.6 million to 800,000 overnight if this thing goes through because right. these buyer's agents have no way to, you know, they're, they're not, you know, it's one thing if you sell your friend a house, your friend never felt it, right? Your friend never oh. felt the. Now you got to ask your friend for $15,000. What's likely to happen? The friend is either going to shop you for a cheaper buyer's agent, or maybe they'll go directly to the list. Or not usually at all. And, and, and to me, it, it's like, I, I understand from the rental side, how that can impact people. Like for instance, that renting is not the same as buying in regards to the technicalities, but it's the same business transaction, which is, now you've got the ability of renters to go through Zillow and just go. It's happened to me. And, and, and oh, I found this on X and 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 the and the owner, landlord, whatever, will only wants to work directly. And then so you're out. There's nowhere to go. You either can hand, handle that in two ways if you happen to be the realtor. Number one, be unethical and say, oh, I'm not going to show you that or you can't see it. Or which is obviously illegal for multiple reasons. Right. And two, let it be. Because what else are you gonna do? You know what I mean? It's it, like, okay, and then walk away. So my thought is I believe from a communication side that you just gave the number of thinking that this will be cut in half. And then you talk about the 80% that are just floundering anyway. I this is where. My antenna goes up in a good way because of this. I see this as an opportunity. Honest to God, I see it as that. It really is ominous if you don't embrace change. I see this as ominous if you are lazy and passive. It is. It is. However, I came from a field where it was understood that if I'm selling something to you, there is commission involved and you didn't have to have a heavy debate as to the if you may have had a debate on the how much and so the ability to articulate value which scott by the way one of the reasons folks scott einbinder is here is that he understands the purpose and the reason behind why you have to be able to articulate value not just with words but you have to communicate it so You've got a bunch of people that are either freaking out, as you said, or doing nothing, or having brokers tell you, Shh, no, no, please, no, don't, don't. So what do you do? Yeah. Um, so 
let me just re rewind something for a second because I think that when we think about um, you know where where things are moving in a direction, and then I'll answer answer the question. Yeah, because nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring, right? It's all oh. one big fat guess anyway. But yeah. we've seen this trend already. This trend of buyers going directly to listing agents, this has been a trend that has been happening while this thing is not, you know, in place yet. Right. So when you look at trends of what's happening, we see it happening. Now, broker owners who measure success by headcount, mm -hmm. they are nervous because yeah, sure. a lot of broker models have changed, right? They've gone to more of a fee-based revenue model there you know the commission share is very is very low right you know you can get you know 80 90 95 percent of your commissions these cap models so things have changed which almost gave an incentive for brokers to you know need 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 volume i need bodies right so i think that this law i think that if things going to happen like yeah. you said why is it a great opportunity because a lot of the agents and i don't like to refer to them necessarily as lazy i think they're just they're misguided. They're not getting the right okay. direction. Right. And a lot of those agents trip into the business. You know, there's a lot of floundering of agents who do take market share away from other agents that are professional. But what I hope happens is that a lot of those agents that just aren't really in the business, they're they're on the uh, they're on the they're on the the the, the peripheral. Yep. It might go away. Yeah. And what are you going to be left with? I think right. you're going to be left with career-minded, mm -hmm. full throttle. Mm -hmm. better trained, better executors, better deliverers of what we do. And I think that's good. I think it's good for the ones that make it are all yep. going to make more money. I've said that. By the way, the listing agents, they don't care about this lawsuit. They can't wait for it because it's only going to mean less people getting in the way of what they do. It's a home run if you're a listing agent. Right. So I think that that's a great thing. I think commissions are going to go up. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great opportunity for agents. It's a great, great time if you're in the business in the right way. And yeah. that's really kind of the, the mindset is that it, it, I think this is probably one of the greatest opportunities you've had in this business. If you're going to be in the business in, in, in what I like to call the right way. And, you know, yeah, there are going to be agents and casualties of, of war where, you know, the agent that does three deals a year for their friends who make, you know, 15, 20 grand that might go away, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that the business is going to go away. That right. business is going to drip into others who mm -hmm. are going to be more professional and better executors. And I think consumers are going to be the winners first. And I think agents will be the winners second, which is exactly how it should be. I love it. So folks, Scott Einbinder, literally in terms of the services offered it, 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 as a public speaker, as a, a, a corporate trainer, what are some of the things that you are embracing or the ways that you see if you are correct and there's no reason to think you're not, even if, as you said, nobody knows where the future holds. So where do you now focus, not just the who, but the how in regards to the communicative side? Sure. How, now, what so, do you do with yeah, this absolutely. So I, I believe um, my opinion is, capital right. opinion, that I think this is going to be a one agent transaction. Okay. Buying a house for a hundred years is a two agent transaction, right. you know, somebody representing both sides, but there are so many things that people do where there are two sides, but it's one. like, for example, when you go buy a car, the car salesman represents both the manufacturer and the dealer right. and is representing you. Well, and everyone yeah, thinks they're yeah. negotiating, but you know what? One person's able to seem like they can handle both sides. How mm -hmm. about when you go for a mortgage? 
when a buyer applies for a mortgage, they deal with a loan officer. The loan officer is being negotiated with by that consumer and they represent the bank and they're able to handle both sides. I think the industry, in my opinion, is going to move from a two-sided transaction to a one-sided transaction. And here, John, is what gets everybody wild. Yeah. Can one agent ethically, professionally, and successfully manage both sides? Can they negotiate fairly for both sides? Mm -hmm. The industry says no. Why? But they're doing it now <laughs> and have been doing it. Yep. The industry says no, but mm -hmm. yet prides itself on ethics. Mm -hmm. How can you say one person can handle both sides when the whole being for your existence is ethics? Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. So I think that agents will be trained on how to navigate expectation on both sides, mm -hmm. how to bring value to both sides, being one person. Right. There's this word called fiduciary, which is all misconstrued. You ask 50 agents the definition, you get 50 different answers. Right. One person can represent both sides, mm -hmm. have a fiduciary one and a non-fiduciary the other, and still be ethical mm -hmm. and still be appropriate and still be proper. And all these things are out there. So there's a lot of misinformation on what fiduciary does and does not do for clients, what you need to have. And I think where it's going is that individual agent will be managing and probably doing both sides and enjoying whatever the revenue reveals on that side. And I think it's probably going to be an uptick for those listing agents. And I think that the service expectation in many respects, when you think about it, and if you add, you know, the number one critic of agents, do you know who they are? Oh, say it again. The number one critic of agents are other agents. Thank you. Okay. And uh, so why? If you're a listing agent, mm -hmm. you represent the seller. There's a buyer agent who represents a buyer. Mm -hmm. The listing agent is completely dependent upon the buyer agent to communicate. So it's like the game of telephone, right? Mm -hmm. The more people hands in the pot, the more things drip. And listing agents are often very critical of the fact that the buyer's agent evaporates, mm -hmm. doesn't communicate, doesn't know where things are at with the seller or with the buyer, even in negotiations. Hold on. If there's one agent, that goes away. So the one argument that you make for this is you talk about transparency. Now I have my listing agent who has total transparency over that buyer situation. Mm -hmm. I no longer have to call the loan officer or call the realtor to call the loan officer to call the underwriter for the underwriter to call the loan officer to call the realtor to find out what's up. Mm -hmm. We can do it direct. So I think that that's about efficiency, right? It is. Oh, it is. It is. I, I think I, I'm, I'm smiling. It's like, it, it's almost a relief in the sense that, that, Again, the field I came from that I that I have that I can walk the walk is broadcast digital ad sales and and management. So there were layers everywhere, right? But when you were speaking, me, if when I was M and did, you know, selling directly, right? I'm the salesperson as opposed to managing other people. When I did that, which was all of my career, I spoke to one person. Now the layers. The ad agency who gets in the way of the client, you know, and now I, it's like listing a buying agent and it's like the layers, you peel the layers away. And then the, the question is, can one person handle it? And my response in my field would have been most people can. Most people can, if given the opportunity, the effective training and or communicative skills 
not everybody is ethically ready. Not everybody is emotionally prepared. Not everybody has. So you don't hire everybody. And, and to me, that's what it's going to be as I see this, the way that you paint the picture in regards to the real estate side. So knowing that you see this and get it, um, what's been your response lately when you are conveying the message? Well, it's a very different message. It's a very different response now because I think now everybody sees this unfolding. Right. And by the way, there's not one lawsuit. There's two. There's, oh, the, Sitzer, there's the Sitzer NAR and then there's Moeller NAR. So they, the industry has two big hurdles to get over. And, and right. current litigation, two defendants have already settled out of court uh, with respect Ooh. to the compensation. Um, you had uh, Anywhere, which was Realogy, rebranded, which is you know the uh, Century 21s, Call the Bankers. Oh. And then you had... Um, Remax. So you have two major defendants in the current lawsuit who said, "Hey, here's 140 million. We're going to put this up as a as a, as, a, as a stop loss, and mm -hmm. whatever the policy is, we'll we'll probably end up going along with it." So you you've, you've got uh, that's happening. So I think that everyone sees this is happening. You're getting a lot more play on the, the media. You know, there's been Wall Street Journal articles about this. So it's kind of layering in there. So everyone's kind of feeling it. So um, the 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 advice the reception is. We, I think now's its time to change something. And here's what I've said, John. Yeah. If the lawsuit succeeds, we know everybody has to recalibrate. But mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this. If this lawsuit doesn't succeed, and if the other lawsuit doesn't succeed, there's one thing that's changing regardless of litigation, and that's the consumer. Mm -hmm. These consumers, these buyers, and these sellers, they're only getting smarter and better and faster. Mm -hmm. And they are changing, in my opinion, at a faster rate than the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think whether or not this lawsuit goes through or not, I think that the, the trend of double-sided transactions, the trend of buyers going directly to listing agents is going to be here to stay and is only going to get greater. So my advice and my whole business is no matter what, if you're a listing agent, you are in control of your career because mm -hmm. that's the one thing. And I got my finger on the pulse of this industry. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I think that selling a house is a lot more intimate experience than buying right. a home. Yeah, and it's and it's and and there, there's you know whether it's the open doors, all these different platforms. A lot of sellers aren't going to trust their listing, at least from my vantage point today, in any grand scale to lead conversion. There's plenty of companies that you know put in your house value and they try to give leads to realtors for listings. The majority of it, these homeowners are engaging into a six-month listing agreement. They're going to interview. They want people who are well. So I don't necessarily think that that's the, 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 the game now. So I think that regardless of where this litigation goes today, mm -hmm. if you want to have relevant income, if you want a career, not a job, if you want to really have the most rewarding side of this business, I think being a listing agent is critical and getting comfortable outside your sphere. Most agents get this advice. John, you probably got this advice when you got your license. What's that? For your sphere of influence. God. Call oh, your friends, honestly, call your family. Like call a all dart shot into my chest. Yeah, of right. Course. Call your, and, and, and so many agents out there do that. They're brand new agents. They call their sphere only to find out that their sphere doesn't want to listen with them or work with them. You know why? Because they're in their sphere. You know, yeah. I, you know, and, and, but, but the, but the thing that I've done that my, my business always has been go outside your sphere. Oh my God. It's unlimited universe. Right. Unlimited. Yeah. Right. There's always a FISBO. There's always an expired. There's always a short sale. There's always a landlord who wants to sell. And there's always a homeowner who today doesn't want to sell, but in the future will sell. But who are they going to list with? 
the one who nurtured the relationship. So there are endless opportunities outside your sphere. But this is where agents have not been promoted to go. Because <laughs> again, if you're into headcount and you don't want your agents to quit, don't put them into an area that might get their head beat in symbolically. <laughs> let's keep them, let's keep them around, you know, because yeah. if they knock on that door and they get yelled at, they might cry and go home to mommy and they don't want to be in this business. Yeah, the end. That ain't good for me. That's been the big mistake in my view. So you got to kind of get them into that outside the sphere world, get them comfortable, but train them, train them right. Train them in 2023 ways, not 1985 ways, not 1962 ways. You got to be progressive. And that's really where I've tried to live in this industry. My passion is being progressive, mm -hmm. effective, measurable, accountable, fun, and make that a great business. I mean, there's no better feeling than walking away from a closing with a $30,000 commission check and loving every aspect of what you do. So that's pretty cool. You light up. When you say that, and that to me is is is, is so compelling, um, in regards to your own authenticity, and that that to me is all. How do you convey that sense of emotion and authenticity? Train them right, progressive, innovative. Yeah. Got it. How right now? What are some things that you're sharing and demonstrating, folks? An event recently took place in Rahway, New Jersey, and. Well, one of the things Wonderful. I do which makes me kind of a little bit yeah, do it. One I, thing I do which makes me kind of a little bit unique and maybe part-time crazy is that when I speak in front of audiences <laughs> and groups, I actually no challenge people to call me and let me go door knocking with them. Okay. I actually go into the field and I even post it on my social media mm -hmm. of me walking up and down the streets with my clients, mm -hmm. knocking on strangers' doors, mm -hmm. looking for opportunity, right? And so what I do is rather than talk about it in a room of, you know, 2000 people, I like to go in the street and so they can see me engage at the front door with a homeowner. Right. right. And see that experience. So from a, from a, now again, I can't do that with everybody, but you know, it, to me, it's like a, it's, it's like what stronger statement is it by going out into the field with your clients and letting them see it happen. So those are the kinds of things. I think other things that agents should be doing. Yeah. They need to take what I call these five buckets of opportunity. The FISBO, the expired listing, the short sale, the absentee owner, which is I call a landlord who owns a one to four family property and right. homeowners. They need to look at each vertical and yep. have a strategy behind each vertical. Mm -hmm. The strategy for FISBOs is different than the expireds. The strategy for expireds is different than the short sale. And develop. And again, I do this with my clients. We develop a very unique strategy inside of these five buckets of business. And then you have to do some due diligence, right? You have to do your homework. Like for example, most people that walk up the door of a for sale by owner, they don't know their name. They don't know their mortgage balance. They don't know anything. They just walk up, hi, are you the owner of, I got a buyer. Like you have to do some very specific homework so you can kind wow. of move your conversation with an expired listing. Also very, very strategic. You can't go and engage with an expired listing the day it expires. You got to know that most ex listings expire, even though they're listed for six months, they expired on the 120th day. Okay. Because if a listing doesn't sell by day 120, it's got less than a 5% chance it's going to sell by day 180. So mm -hmm. the time to learn about it and get ready for it, can't solicit it because that's illegal. Yeah. But you can certainly start doing your due diligence and your homework. So on the day of expiration, because you're an inventory expert and you're calibrate, you should know exactly when listings are expiring in your market. So on the day of expiration, mm. you're there. 
99% of agents, they don't, they, they don't even, they, oh yeah, that listing expired two weeks ago. And why weren't you there? Well, I don't know. I, you know. So those are the kinds of things where every action inside of those verticals, John, mm -hmm. there's a strategy behind it. Man, see, to me, that's, it, it, that's where the authenticity comes in because it's, there's a level of respect that, that you are demonstrating whether it was the walking down the street part, which which I, I like I said, I, I find great and funny all together. Yeah. And then also the, the sense of doing your homework, which I'm a massive believer in. If you don't do your homework, you you, you can't sound authentic. It's just not physically possible. Uh, you can't sound authentic. You could pretend you're a professional, but that's you'll never be authentic. So it's the doing your homework, walking the walk, um, for and there's one, there's one other thing too, which please. I think is important. It's to go to your broker or manager or whoever right. got you in this business. Yes. You look them in the eye and you say, effective today, I want you to make me accountable. And they go, what? Right. And what I want you to do is I want you to put me on an accountability protocol, okay. which What's is that? going to demand of me mm -hmm. that I do a certain amount of prospecting activities every single day. Mm -hmm. And if I do them, I am the beneficiary of that work. Hold on. But if I don't do them, mm -hmm. I want you to punish me. Mm -hmm. I want you to lower my commission from whatever it is to whatever it should be. Right. As a penalty for what I don't do. And it's called accountability with retribution. Most accountability has nothing. Right. And that separates, I say, the adults from the children, right? Mm -hmm. Those who know they're going to do it never care about accountability with retribution because they know they're going to do it. The right. ones who never agree to it, you know why they never agree to it? Because they know they ain't going to do it. So you need to demand accountability from your broker, manager, or leader and start running your business life that way. And you will immediately, and you'll, you'll know, and like I said, it's important to know what you can do. It's also know what you can't do. And I think that if you're an agent who looks yourself in the mirror and says, listen, I am too afraid of people. I'm too afraid of strangers. I'm too afraid of the word no. I'm too afraid of doing that. They, they've got all these not reasons, but excuses. Right. I think those agents, and again, this is going to sound maybe a little brutal. I think that brokers and managers need to do those people a favor. And let them go. Well, I like to use this expression, invite them to leave. And that sounds lovely. You know what I mean? And 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 completely on point. You would never- Because you know what you're doing? On Not only by keeping them, are you hurting them? Yeah. And I say broker agents and broker managers that keep unproductive agents in the office, I think it's cruel. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually cruel behavior. Mm -hmm. You are actually enabling somebody who thinks they might, but- not only are you well, you're them, taking their money and you're also taking their money, but you're, you're doing something even worse. In my opinion, you're right. hurting them because they should be going on doing something else that might be more productive, but you know who else you're hurting? Mm -hmm. You're hurting the other productive agents. I mean, it's demoralizing when productive agents have to trip over non-productive agents in their office. Right. I mean, what does that say? And by the way, it's the productive agents that are usually keeping the lights on. Oh, oh, yeah. The agents who are in the office doing nothing. I mean, you know, yeah. put my yeah. lights on. You know, yeah. so it's it's really, I think this is the new world order of the industry. Mm -hmm. That the big picture good news is, I think lawsuit, no lawsuit, maybe lawsuit more faster than not. I think the industry is moving into a more professional light, a more uh, career light, uh, a business that's going to have more structure to it. I mean, you know, you think about. Even the concept of franchise, think about the concept of any business. When you go to 
a McDonald's. Right. It's probably predictable you'll get the same hamburger every time you go into that McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Hold on. If you go to a McDonald's in Florida, in Michigan, in California, same hamburger. Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate. You got franchises or even non-franchises. Right. You walk into a business. You have no idea what that hamburger is going to be like day to day. Mm -hmm. That hamburger may be good on a Monday. might be terrible. It's the, you don't know what agent you're going to get, right? Right. This is crazy. There's no consistency to the experience. There's no quality control. None. And so this is where I think the business is moving to. I think that the industry is on the doorstep of moving to a more predictable, more consistent, high-end. Let's face it, buying and selling a house is one of life's most expensive decisions. I was just going to say, this is like McDonald's. Left, left to people, thing, John, right? you need less hours to get a license than a haircutting license. Yeah. Do you know you need... I think a couple of hundred hours of, of training to cut hair. But you need 40, 45 hours to sell a house. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a whole different. We got the number wrong. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, whatever. It's nuts. So I think the idea is, is that I think that's what we are at the doorstep of. And, and I hope to be, and I think through you as well, and, and hopefully guys like me, we're going to play a role in helping bring this industry, mm -hmm. I think, to the level that not only the consumer deserves it to be at but i think for the other professional agents who want it as well i love it scott einbinder i think I th your, your energy is palpable but it's also your your, your talent skill set and, and heart uh which is great i know because we will have on the bio your websites you've got a couple which is great yeah. they need to be there between the scott einbinder effect between the yeah. consulting and your social profiles I'll ask you, what's the best way to find you? So, um, again, uh, there, there's two big Scott Einbinders out there in the country. One's a Hollywood movie producer. I noticed when I was and, doing and homework. Myself. I and noticed that. And then that. we get, you know, cross yeah, I, I still have yet to get an email from Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. But um, yeah. that's it. Open. Um, so basically there, um, what, what I'm doing is um, going, you know, you always want to adapt. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I created is something called the Scott Einbinder Effect. Mm -hmm. Now, while the majority of my clients are companies that retain me and I've got some of the best clients in the industry, right. um, I felt that the agents can be a little bit more empowered. So I'm doing uh, what I call a Scott Eyebinder Effect, which is my seminar, my presentation. I don't really like to call myself a trainer. I consider myself to be more of a motivational sales strategist. I think okay. trainers- Motivational sales strategist, gotcha. I think trainers are what you get in the zoo. So I think, so what I did is I created the Scott Eyebinder Effect, which will be my my- kind of proactive seminar with all the kind of the the the, the ways in which I do things and in, in, right. in the, the manner in which but I brought in an element of actors I saw who will, during my presentation mm -hmm. while I'm doing it we will put the lights on them put them into a kitchen mm -hmm. and you'll see a realtor acting my strategies actually role playing them delivering them in real time so the audience members can see how do you really say it? And mm -hmm. it's, it's actually, I got two parts of it. It's both a humoristic way, yep. kind of the funny way, yeah. and the serious way. So it's going to be kind of a higher entertainment value, mm -hmm. but it's the infusion of high quality education focused on listing development mm -hmm. fused with kind of an entertaining um, acting role-playing experience with live actors. I think this is brilliant. And I noticed that. And before, and I was last question because I got, well, two, but here was one of them, which was, I, 
the rambling statement i will edit mine not yours um is the 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 fact that i remember i took acting lessons years ago because it was it was suggested of me with a voice career and all that stuff like that and and it, a great voice by the great experience thank you man yeah. and it was a great experience but here's why it was great for me personally i remember there's not much more of an immersive experience that you can have than when you are fully all in. And I'm not suggesting to any realtor or business person to take acting lessons, but I will say this, that when you, I noticed that on the effect that you're using it, to be fully immersed in a conversation. If you're a realtor and you're trying to get a listing, if you're a realtor and you're trying to articulate what's the words there articulate the value of what you are offering the best way to do that is to be locked in yeah. it's not memorization it is to be locked in on what the hell's going on so when i saw that you use actors i found that to be brilliant even the contrast like you said the humorous and the serious yeah. um who gave you the idea to do that I would like to say somebody gave me the idea, but it just really popped into my head one day. And, and I wanted oh. to do this before COVID, actually, but then COVID shut the world down. Sure. So once the world started opening and we started seeing people going in theaters, I think there's something about the live experience. You know, during COVID, I, I did, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Zoom meetings. I mean, normally I did 200 yeah. a year. I was doing 400. So uh, there's something about that. It's one dimensional. So I was anxious to get into the live room again. So that's kind of where it came from. Damn, I love every bit of it. Yeah. Uh, last question for the moment, in addition yeah. to the, will you come back? Because I definitely would love to continue this conversation. So know that. But the question is, why do you consider yourself authentic? What about you is the authentic part? You know, I grew up, I was very lucky. I grew up uh, in a family real estate business. My mother and father were legends uh, in the industry. I, I was, you know, unlike most agents that get into this business, without having two great mentors as parents, right? I, I'm just lucky, right? So mm. I was lucky. I had parents that were in the industry who were progressives, who mm. were cutting edge, who had a reputation. They've been out of, they've, they sold their business 40 years ago. I still get people who say to me, you know, oh, I remember your parents, you know, like they, they were just legends. And so I was lucky, right? And I didn't want to squander that. Right. So I kind of, kind of leveraged that. I wanted to, 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 to take it to its next place, you know? And, and, and so that's where my inspiration came, came from was to do something different. And again, they said, listen, if you're going to be in this industry, be unique, be different. We don't need another real estate agent. We need less. Right. So that's kind of where I evolved from. And I've always tried to do that. And I kind of live it every day. As soon as I feel like I've got it all together and really executing perfectly, I'm nervous because I now have to make it better. I can't, get overconfident and get too cocky. And those are the things, the, the, the agents that I saw explode, and when I mean explode in a bad way, when they imploded, they had great careers and then they went away. It was soon as they thought they were the best and the experts. And not mm -hmm. that they're not the best, but when you yeah. wear them your sleeve, and let's face it, the industry is so ego-driven. And I yeah. see these agents, you know, they're doing their slow motion walk to their sports car. And mm -hmm. the next thing you know, they're out of business. Where are they? So I think that I've always tried to, look at the business and look at my own business. What can I do to be better? What can I do to be better tomorrow? You know, even though I'm doing a great job today, there's someone else coming up behind me and I got to keep reinventing 
use ingenuity, innovation, which doesn't really exist much in our industry. And I felt that that's always been the key. So that's what I've tried to do in my career when I was in the business. And when I got into the speaking career yeah. and doing what I do now, I tried to just infuse those same principles. And mm -hmm. it seems to continue to work. So that's where I, so I, now I realize where your heart comes from. And I love that it comes from family and, and, and a level of respect uh, that you've got an appreciation, not just for your family, but for reputations and for help. And, and as well as seeing other people in this business who do such a sincere job with, I mean, right. again, because I see both sides, I see the sincere, those that really are working for the benefit of the clients. And I also see the other side, those that are working for the benefit of themselves. Right. And I, and I developed this attitude that, you know, God, it, sometimes leadership tends to treat both the same way if they're bringing in the dollar. And that always kind of offended me. You know, I'm like, listen, you know, reward the one who does it the right way and makes a lot of money right. rather than the one who does it the wrong way and makes a lot of money. There seem to be not a lot of differences. So I'm hoping, and I've always hoped, and I still hope, and I still have positive hope that that's going to continue to be the trend. And maybe this lawsuit will, will make it happen even faster. Faster. Scott Einbinder, absolutely a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you. Appreciate the energy. It felt like a million bucks. So, folks, you've just heard another episode of Your Message Received. Like I said, we bring on people that walk the walk, like Scott Einbinder. We love this. Keep listening. Keep liking. Keep sharing. Keep telling your friends and your family. And we will keep driving content right through your front door. John Duffin here with Duffin Media. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a great day, all. Be well. Thank you so much. And now, making its way across the finish line, your message received has been a production of Duffin Media.